Now, I don't know when you start a letter. Um, I'm a really old-fashioned, even in um, uh, uh, emails. I always put dear. Anybody else do put dear? Yeah, you probably can tell by the sort of age range. <laughs> I, I once complained, I'm, I'm chair of a, a social investment company, and um, one of the new recruits who was about 14, actually, no, they were about 22. Hi, Richard. Se could you send this? Thanks. I complained to the chief executive, said, I'd like dear, I am the chair. <laughs> I'm not going to be written to like that. That's, that's a bit boring, really, isn't it? Anyway, Paul starts his letter with grace and peace. Two of the great words of the Christian faith. The Greek word for grace is charis, which means charm, goodwill, loving kindness, and bestowing a favor on someone. It's a lovely way to start, isn't it? Grace to you. And grace is also a gift from God. It isn't earned, it comes from the generosity of the heart of God. And then there's peace. And peace is not an absence of conflict, but something much deeper than that. We all know the Hebrew word shalom. Do we all know the Hebrew word shalom? Yes, some of you do anyway. This is a peace not dictated by our circumstances, be they good or bad. As one commentator puts it, Someone could have all the finest things in life and yet not have peace. Yet another could be suffering all kind of difficulties and yet has the peace that only Jesus can bring. And Paul himself, as Ian has reminded us, he was writing this in prison and he, would, he knew pretty well he would die for his faith. And yet this offering of the peace he knew through Jesus was so important to pass on to those readers. Peace comes to us when we carry out the will of God. Peace comes to our heart through having security, knowing our ultimate destiny. And I don't know about you, but many of us are finding these times are full of anxiety. Anybody feel it's a bit anxious at the moment? I'm a Cold War baby. I was born in Germany to a, a military family, and um, was somebody going to press the button? has been all the way through my life and some of you will perhaps understand that so what are these times going to bring we've got that war in ukraine what will the russians do next we've got the impact on food and supplies we find that children can't be fed by their parents we've got the fallout from brexit we've got rampant inflation and a new leadership in government and the person who represented continuity and stability her late majesty the queen has died and yet in Christ we can have peace in this world of turmoil and this is something the queen demonstrated right to the end of her life she demonstrated that peace in her life so that's the first two verses I'm going to take the next lot as a block <laughs> And the next one speaks of the blessings that we have received. So this is verse 3 all the way through to verse 14. There is an abundance of good things for us in this passage if we have received Christ in our lives. And what Paul is saying here is that we've received every single blessing that is available. So what are these blessings? Now Paul wrote in street Greek. He didn't even put full stops, commas, or anything. He just wrote a complete diatribe. He was just so excited. 
He just scribbled around. Anybody else scribble around like that? Yes, somebody's nodded. Thank you. Thank you for nodding. First of all, we're chosen to be holy and blameless. And holy means set apart for a noble purpose. The dictionary defines holy as dedicated or concentrated to God or for a religious purpose, sacred. And as Christians, we should be different, not because we follow a set of rules. To be good. When I grew up in a Christian home, I was supposed to be good. Well, of course, I wasn't good. I wasn't good all the time. I was good in public. (laughs) What we're supposed to do is rely on the Holy Spirit and take our lead from him. There is a temptation for those who have made a Christian commitment to regard our conversion as solely our choice. In fact, all we've done is respond to God's love for us through Jesus. St. Paul puts it like this in Romans 5. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So before we knew God, before we knew Jesus, Christ died for us. Christ gave us that invitation. And Paul knew what it meant to be chosen on that road to Damascus. He was the persecutor of Christians. And he was brought to his knees on that road. The light shone and he was blinded and he ended up finding Jesus for himself. And some of you know me slightly well. Know that when I was a student, one of my key parts of my enjoyment was taking the mick out of people from the Christian Union. I thought that was a great sport. And me and my mates, we would be there at tea mocking them. We took every opportunity to mock Christians. Yeah, oh well, God's got a good sense of humour. We were all called. And for me, the call came through the people that God sent to me. And ultimately, I made a decision from that call at Billy Graham in 1984, along with Andrew McAllister. I don't know anybody else who walked forward on on that green, on that bit of green turf in Ashton Gate. Anybody else walk forward at that date? Stand up, Matt. Come on, mate. (laughs) We're brothers, him and I. We went forward on the same day, on the same night, the same night in 1984, praise God. And you have, if you have made a commitment to Christ, you've made, you have your own story. Just think about that for a minute. When did you come to Christ? When did you give your life to Jesus? Have a little think. Talk about it afterwards. And if you're chosen, actually you may still be on on that journey if you haven't quite reached that point. Alpha. (laughs) Alpha. And more alpha. Do come on an alpha course if you're on that journey. If you're chosen for something, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Who remembers at school when you remember you picked uh, people to play football or netball or something? You didn't want to be the last one? Anybody that happened? Yeah. You had two guys who were probably the best, at whatever it was, and then they picked. And if you were the last, you knew you were really, really rubbish. <laughs> Or unpopular. Thank you. (laughs) Rubbish and unpopular. (laughs) To be picked to play for your country in sport, for example, is a massive honour. 
You don't apply to play football for England. You don't send your CV and tell them how good you are at heading the ball. No. You have to be selected. The big difference about being selected by God is this. You don't have to be good at anything. (laughs) You don't even have to be a good person. No, you don't. To be selected by God, you can be rubbish at absolutely everything. In fact, he prefers that. If you're rubbish, actually, he can make something of you. So that's the first point. The second is, having been called, we are adopted by God as his children. So brother Mac and I, we became brothers that night, didn't we? Indeed, we did. And in Paul's time, under Roman law, adopted children enjoy the same rights as natural children, just as that's true today. We have a friend, and she was adopted as a baby. And some years ago, she decided that she would find out a bit more about who her mum was. And she got quite a long way. And she got to the point where she found out where her mum lived. And she stopped at that point. Because she realised that her true mum and dad were the ones that really wanted her. They had chosen her. They had chosen her friend as a baby. Isn't that lovely? They were her true parents. Her, lo- her parents loved her, and their love was reciprocated by her friend. Because when her dad died, her mum came to live with them until she died. As an adopted child, she was entitled to any inheritance that might have been there. And the good news is that God adopted us, and we are now part of his family. Ian, in his introduction, talked about that family of God. And we all have the same rights, regardless of age and background. And we too, verse 11, are destined for an eternal inheritance, and this is sealed by the Holy Spirit. So we're the same as Her Majesty the Queen. When we arrive in heaven, we'll be there with her and all those other people we know. And it doesn't matter if we've been rich, poor, this or that. It makes no difference. We've received the same inheritance. Thirdly, we have been redeemed. That's verse 7. What does redeemed mean? Well, I found this very clear article from a commentator on the internet. (laughs) Google's brilliant, isn't it? You put in redeemed and out pops a load of good things. This is one I found that I felt was really helpful. The term means ransom from captivity. Very often the context in both scripture and the ancient world in general was redemption from slavery. If you were captured by an enemy and made a hostage or sold into slavery, your family could redeem you. And if you saved up enough, you could redeem yourself. Jesus redeems us from the slavery of sin by the death on the cross. He paid the price with his own life for ours. But in our postmodern world, do we regard sin as slavery? Do we really take on board what Jesus has done for us? In our modern world, we rarely talk about sin, do we? It's a very old-fashioned word. 
we talk about bad choices, mistakes, and all the other euphemisms that we can dream up, but we don't talk about sin. Some of you know I work with people in addiction uh, for many, many years in prison and in homelessness. And I've always said this, addiction has you with a vice-like grip from which it is rare to get away from. I've known people who've been recovering alcoholics, who've been clean for a long time, fall. Drug addicts get off the stuff and then back on it. Each year I do a memorial for those families who have lost people through addiction. Something that Pat shares with me, we go to that memorial, don't we, Pat? It is utterly heartbreaking. Young lives generally snatched away. Like the addicts I've known, we are all addicts to sin. We just can't help ourselves. Does that ring a bell? Even the super saint, Saint Paul himself, in Romans 7, verses 15 to 20, I'm not going to read it because it's got so many do's in, it's unbelievable. It must be about 30, do what I do, do, do what I do. But I will pick out verse 19 for you. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. That is St. Paul himself. Even he just couldn't help himself from sinning. Sin. What does sin do? It destroys our peace. It fractures relationships. It causes untold misery. It creates injustice. It breeds conflict. And it starts wars. That's what sin does. But what Jesus does is he wipes the slate clean and offers us freedom from the sin that binds us. We're going to be celebrating communion later on today. Do take this opportunity to reflect as you receive the bread or the wine or a blessing what Jesus has done for us. It is amazing what he's done for us. All that rubbish in our life, he wipes clean. And the final blessing, verse 9 and 10, is that we become part of God's plan, which ultimately is revealed to us in the book of Revelation, Revelation 21, a part of which Ian read read last week. It's often read at funerals, this. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That is a promise for us to eternity. And in return... What is our response to this? Well, with privilege, the privilege of these blessings, including our inheritance, comes responsibility. In verse 12 says this, So that we who were first to set our hope in Christ 
might live for his praise and his glory. That's our job. To live our lives to God's praise and glory. That's our task. And that means living to God's glory in every aspect of our life. At home, at work, in our social lives. Wherever we go. And of course a lot has been spoken about Her Majesty the Queen. Our late Queen. But how particularly she took her calling very seriously. It's been quoted over and over and over again. She committed to serving us with the strength of God, and she did this to the end of her life. She did indeed live to God's praise and glory. And that's our task too. Yes, we're faulty human beings. (laughs) I am definitely a faulty human being. And yet, we can do this for God's purpose. We can do this. I hope you feel encouraged by this, this morning, by what's been said by Ian, through the reading, and through this this short um, summary from me today. I'm not going to go into the last part of this, uh, which is uh, Paul's prayer for spiritual wisdom. I'm not going to unpack that at all, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray this for St. Matthew's this morning. Because it's an amazing... It's amazing prayer. And as, as, as Ian put on the screen, Paul prayed it not just for those Ephesians, he prayed it for Christians of all time. So I'm going to read this slowly, and then I'm going to finish. Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you might grow in your knowledge of God. St. Matthews, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are rich and glori- are his rich and glorious heritage. So, Matthews, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for those who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and is seated in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but for the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head of all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Amen.